When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matt McKeldin's been good enough to join me, the host of The Driver's Seat, and I'm sure he loved it yesterday. Welcome to you, Matt. Great to have you on. Mate, I'm, uh, thank you so much for that. And, uh, you know, as a 50-year-old, there, there are days where you think, I'm not going to learn much today, but today I've learned that Dwayne Russell is a rev head. And I love that about <laughs> you, mate. I'm glad you're doing that. And you're actually going to go over to the, the green hell, the Nürburgring, yep. put your life on the line and uh, have a skid around there, mate. You, you've just gone up in my books. Well <laughs> have you done it yourself, Matt? Have you been around it yourself? I've never been around the Nurburgring. No, no, no. I, uh, it's something that I'd love to do, and I've got a bunch of mates who have done it. I know that you can just go down to your uh, your local rent-a-car joint, and you can rent a car, and you go over there, and you pay 15 bucks or whatever it is, or 15 euro, and you yep. can go down there and, and have a bit of a skid. But if, just before you go, just be very careful. Make sure you jump onto YouTube and have a look at some Nurburgring mistakes, because... There's some absolute clangers, mate. It's a, it's a place where it'll bite you very quickly if you get a little too enthusiastic. I've had a look at all the YouTube. There's highlights <laughs> videos of best Nürburgring prangs, the best Nürburgring slip-ups. They're all there, Matt. It's a warning to me. And to my son is going to be doing the laps with me. So we've bought a couple of laps each. So we're going to do a couple of laps each. And, uh, yeah, we've paid, we're going to pay the insurance. Don't worry as well. Um, but I think they, if you prang into a barrier... And they have to shut the track down for an hour to fix the barrier. They charge you for that too, don't they? Yeah, it won't be a cheap exercise if you do that on any <laughs> uh, on any level. It's going to cost you insurance and the Nürburgring will send you an invoice. And then there's no doubt that if you hurt yourself, Mrs. Russell will also send you an invoice down the line for the pain and suffering. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, I reckon, so, uh, I reckon you nah, might mate, be it's, right it's, there. It's a great place. My only advice to you will be uh, keep your eyes up, look through the corner and uh, don't if you start to... Get a little bit ahead of yourself. Just park the ego and roll out of the throttle a little bit because it'll be less costly. Yeah, I like the advice. I'll better take that on board. Uh, the Volvos as well as another year where um, there wasn't a traditional Ford and Holden win. So what did you make of yesterday, Matt? And where do you where do you believe we're at when it comes to supercars, which have evolved from touring cars to the V8s to what we've got now? I think uh, we've been really vocal on the driver's seat this year that, that supercars is not in a great way. Um, there is clearly a disparity between the Chevrolet and the Ford. Um, look, the, the American thing versus the Australian thing, I, I get all of that, but really we're, we're, we didn't buy enough Australian cars. And so manufacturing went overseas, obviously. And so at the end of the day, we're left with what we're left with. But at the end of, at the end of the day, Bathurst is Bathurst. If you can't get a crowd to Bathurst, then there's something wrong. It's sort of like saying, we had 200,000 people at Bathurst, so supercars are in the most fantastic state and everything is, is fabulous. It's like saying that, well, we got a crowd to the, the Melbourne Cup and so therefore yep. horse racing is in a great state. Uh, um, Bathurst is Bathurst. You're going to get people there who are going to go and camp there. They've been camping there with their families and mates and whatever. It's their once-a-year thing. Um, as I said, we've been pretty vocal. I didn't think it was a classic Bathurst 1000. There is no doubt about that. I thought that the soft tyre was the wrong choice for the cars because, quite frankly, those tyres were always going to get chewed up. Uh, and so you find yourself as a driver certainly not being able to push 
as hard as you normally would because you simply would have fallen off the road or fallen back through the pack. So I wasn't a fan of that. And look, there is no doubt that as we headed into the race, even as late as Thursday, even as late as after the top 10 shootout, um, there was great controversy. The Fords simply are not on parity uh, and not on the same level at the moment as the Chevrolets. Um, they can do one lap. You can get one lap out of them. But over a 20 or 30 lap stint, the the Mustang is just too hard on its tyres because of its deficiency in its aero. Um, and I know that people will text in and call and say, oh, hang on, there were two or three or four Mustangs in the top 10. Yeah, they were, but they were about a minute 20 back. They were about a minute 40 back. Um, at the end of the day, those cars couldn't keep the tyre pace. We didn't have as many Chevrolets in the top 10 simply because they fell apart. Yeah, even even the winners, even the guys on the podium were yep. nursing their cars home with clutches and brakes and gear shifters. And that's what we saw Brock Feeney go out with. So there is a lot of work to do. Um, if you look at social media today, and that's not always a great representation, um, there is a lot of negativity about this weekend. The race that it was, uh, there were people who up on the mountain camping said that they're not going to go back because it was just a boring weekend. So love the fact that we had 200,000. I'm sure the ratings were pretty good on television, but I don't think it's necessarily a great example of where we are right now and the health of the sport. So parity was an issue leading into Bathurst anyway, and those that were running the Mustangs were asking for aero um, advantages to be altered so they could actually be a bit more competitive. Why didn't they listen to those requests? Because we have a relatively antiquated system that, it, it requires five particular individual races to show that there is a deficiency, and then that is what's called a parity trigger. The last race for that to happen was in uh, in Townsville, which there was in a um, uh, there was in a change to the Mustang. We then went to Tailand Bend, where we only had three races. We then had Sandown, which was only one race, and so we weren't able to reach this so-called parity trigger. But at the end of the day, we've been, all year, we've been pushing for this. The, the, not to bore you too much with all the propeller head stuff, but the reality is with the Gen 3 cars, the way we have tested and paratized aerodynamic efficiency is just antiquated. It's just wrong. What you need to do is you need to stick them into, an air, into a wind tunnel and you need to do a full cycle wind tunnel and you, you need to verify the results and then you apply them and you put them on track, so on and so forth. And we just haven't done it. So... The difficulty with 2023 is that when we then apply that system of five races to cause a parity review, there's just not enough racing to be done. And so we now go into the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500, and then we've got the Adelaide 500. Um, and look, there may be some changes now towards the Ford, but it's a little bit too little too late. And I think we're going to be looking towards 24 before we get these two marks on exactly the same level and hopefully we'll have a much tighter season in 2024. So Proto has been dominant this whole series and Shane Van Gisbergen started, what, about five spots behind him on the grid. Brody Kostecki in the top 10 shootout was awesome. I think it was half a second better than second best time. So he was always the one to beat. But yesterday when he didn't come in during that early safety car, it always seemed like he was a few laps of tyre and a few laps of fuel behind where Shane Van Gisbergen was. Yeah, and it, I think they'll look back on that strategy call and they'll mark that in the diary as a mistake. Um, 
you're right though, boy, that, that Coca-Cola by Erebus Mustang was absolutely flying. Half a second in the top 10 shootout was extraordinary. In fact, when you look at the vision of him going over Skyline, he literally only had the right rear on the ground. The two front wheels and the rear left were in the air. So that's pretty scary having done a number of laps around that place, let me tell you. Um, the difference between the two is that it seems to be that Erebus worked on a car that was just lightning fast, a super-duper lap time, uh, and was just going to blitz everybody. But there is also a difference between a qualifying car and a race car. It seems to be, and they outwardly stated, in fact, that Ere- that Triple uh, Eight didn't get sucked into that game. They were really working on their race car from day one. So whilst you have to park the pride of the ego... And, and maybe not be in that top two or three in every practice session and perhaps even qualifying, at the end of the day, it comes down to the 1,000 on the Sunday. They put together a very, very, very strong race. Consistent laps. They weren't the fastest. They were never the fastest, but they were there in the end. And only just, as I say, I think Shane was also dealing with some steering issues, mm. some braking issues. Brody had steering issues. Brock Feeney had uh, gear shift issues. Um, uh, but they got home in the end, and it was a great story. It's a great story before he heads off to NASCAR. His body language and his, uh, the way he was speaking finally seemed relaxed. It's been pretty tense over the last couple of months. And then the redemption story of Richie Stanaway, lost to the sport only two or three years ago, made a comeback uh, last year with the Boost Wildcard, and um, has done an amazing, did an amazing job over the weekend, and then he's got himself a full-time drive next year with Grove. So there were still plenty of, of great storylines up and down. The, the heartbreaker for me was Team 18. Um, team 18, the Chevrolet team, Mark Winterbottom, Scott Pye. Both of those cars were running pretty skinny on fuel, pitted on the last lap. Uh, but uh, the, the leaders, they were in, I think, 10th. Mark Winterbottom was in 10th at that stage. But... Uh, by the time they got their fuel done, Shane Van Gisbergen had already gone across the line and the race was over. So they went from a 10th place finish to a DNF. So uh, that's, that's a great strategy call. I can't imagine yeah. someone's going to get a bonus after that weekend. <laughs> no, that's a good point you make. And I like, I like the point you make about Shane Van Gisbergen. I heard, I don't know if it was the interview that I heard before the top 10 shootout or after, but he didn't really care. You're right. He was, it was all about winning the race. He didn't really care where he finished in that top 10 and the strategy... Uh, one through for him and his team. So congratulations to him on that. How will he go oval track racing? How will he go? Uh, look, the NASCAR the NASCAR series in America, the good old boys, they don't, they don't take uh, take many prisoners. He'll be he'll be really good on the street circuits and what they call the rovals, which are a, yeah. a sort of a combination between a road and an oval course. That's which he has won in. Himself. He won one earlier this year or last year. He won one in. No, this year he won on yeah. debut, the first time yeah. that we'd ever gone to the Chicago Street Race, and he absolutely, uh, he gave him a, a fair thing of walloping. So that's what has now led to this new career turn for him heading over to the United States. Look, he will struggle, I think, in the early days. He's going to do a hybrid-type campaign next year where he'll do a number of NASCAR races, but he'll also do some truck races. He'll do some Xfinity races. Um, he'll do some late-model races to try and get him up to speed. Look, I think it's... Fabulous! It's the next step. What it's so there's, there's a bit of a two there's a there's a two pronged attack here, um, and supercars have got to be very careful because you've got Cam Waters, Brody Kostecki, he had a crack in NASCAR this year as well. All of a sudden, for the last I don't know umpteen years, it really seems as though supercars has been the ceiling of racing in Australia, and that's where everyone wants to get to. Scotty McLaughlin goes to IndyCar, starts winning, 
uh, all of a sudden we go, oh, maybe there is a step further than supercars. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen goes over to NASCAR, gets a win, gets a, 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 a new drive over there with a the team. Suddenly, supercars isn't looking like the super top echelon. So with Brody also looking north, Cam Waters looking north, I think supercars also has to be mindful that that may be on their, uh, on their radar as well, that we could lose a number of drivers over to, uh, over to NASCAR because the sort of money... I cannot tell you, Dwayne, the sort of money a supercar guys will hear, will earn, I don't know, somewhere between 300000 and maybe a million with some, uh, with some success bonuses. Well, in America, where there are numbers that are being floated around, and I'm not sure they're accurate, but somewhere around the $16 million US for the campaign for Shane Van Gisborne. So why wouldn't you go over there? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like uh, NBL versus NBA, and I, uh, I think a lot of people can sort of understand it and in that comparison as well. Hey, Matt, when's the next driver's seat going to... When's the next episode people can listen to or download? Wednesday night, 8 till 10 o'clock. Stevie J, Nimsy and I will be debriefing, of course, the Bathurst 1000. We'll talk about all the support categories. We're going to talk about Formula One as well. Oscar Piastri getting a, a couple of podiums over the weekend in Qatar. So it's good times. We'll have a laugh. Uh, we'll have a crack. And we can't wait for people to text in because I'll tell you what, over the last six months, they have not been backward in coming forward about their thoughts about supercars, and I'm pretty sure it's going to continue this Wednesday between 8 and 10. Great to have you, Matt. Really appreciate the discussion. It was fun. We'll talk soon. If I don't talk to you before, eyes up, roll out of the <laughs> throttle if you need to before you get to the ring. I'm going to wear that old hat like an old man does in the, in the back dash of the Volvo. I'll be putting that on and uh, just going a few Ks under. Great to have you, Matt. Good luck. The driver's seat... Coming away Wednesday night. You can download it anytime you like and have a listen back.